0: So we're going to finish up today on friendship. The truest friend of all, of course, is Jesus. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend, a real friend, sticks closer than a brother. Stories told about a little girl in an orphanage that had been passed from one facility to another. She just she just didn't fit in. Uh, she. She perceived herself as as ugly, dumb, and uh, just didn't have a very good opinion of herself. And the kids wouldn't play with her, and the teachers viewed her as a problem child. Her last placement, in her last placement, there's a rule that all outside correspondence had to come through and go out uh, through a staff member. This little girl wrote a letter and she put it in an envelope and and the facility was surrounded by a wall and she went to this one place in the wall and there was a tree. She climbed the tree and there was a branch that went on the other side of the wall and she hung this envelope in that branch. Well, uh, uh, the director saw her doing this and so he went outside and got the letter and opened it up and it said... uh, this is Susan. Whoever finds this letter, I love you. That's all it said. Perhaps you can identify with the loneliness felt by this little girl, and if you do, you're, not, you're certainly not alone. According to Dr. Leonard Zunin, who's a Los Angeles psychiatrist, he said that despite the fact that the average American meets as many people in one year, as their ancestors a hundred years ago met in their entire lifetime, Americans are some of the loneliest people on the face of the earth. See, we all need friends. Loneliness really plagues Americans today. We all need friends. And in this series on true friendship, we've sought to consider biblical principles associated with uh, acquiring and maintaining authentic friendships. But here's the, here's the rub. And man, this, this, this hits home particularly with young people. Because we, as, as young people, you have this idea that, that uh, if I am your friend, you're not going to do anything that's harmful to me. And everything is going to be fine. And you're going to find out that even this best friend of yours is going to let you down. Best friends will disappoint best friends are going to be people that you can't count on sometimes. And even those who are our truest friends are going to fail us. My granddaughters are always telling me stories about these best friends of their... BBF... Is it BBF or BFF or... B -B what? BFF? See, I... I only have to have one real friend, and I married her, and I don't let her out of my sight, so uh, I don't have to worry. She tells me when I'm in trouble, so that's okay. But, but the thing is with, with these BFFs, B, 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 these friends, that's all, folks. They're going to let you down. Today, they're your best friend forever. <laughs> I got that. And tomorrow, they wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole. They hurt your feelings, they talk bad about you. they, they don't want to play with you or, or you, you uh, uh, they just dog on you if you 're older and and it really it, it crushes your spirit, and we see that all the time, even in the Christian friendships that we make. because we 're human, there's always going to be limits beyond which we as Individuals don't go. I mean, we, we, we drop the ball. There's one upon whom there are no limitations, and certainly that's Jesus Christ. He's not subject to those things which may prevent others from always being there for us. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. Amen? That's Jesus. He doesn't let us down. Yeah, but John, I can't touch him. I can't feel him. I can't smell him. I can't sit down and talk with him. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can't touch, feel, and smell. But you certainly can talk. And he answers. Oh, not in words out loud. And if you are hearing voices, come talk to me because you got problems. <laughs> but we do hear from God. We hear from Jesus through his word, through, through the Holy Spirit who, who illuminates us. He, he speaks into our mind, into our conscience. And let's think about why Jesus is the best friend you could ever have. First thing is, Jesus accepts you. With all of your warts, wrinkles, zits, bad breath, your feet ain't mates, whatever it is that you've got going on in your life, Jesus accepts you. Say, you know, I don't pray. We talked today about prayer. Oh, you should have been there. It, was a, it, it really was. It was, the, it was the Heather Jeremy show. You would have loved it. But... but uh, we, we uh, you know, we don't know how to pray, and we pray the wrong way, and we're not eloquent in our prayers, and, and we don't know how to maintain relationships in a way that makes people feel comfortable. You know, kind of sometimes because of the way we were raised, we could be a little prickly. You know what I mean? It's like trying to hug a porcupine. And, and yet, even porcupines have a soft, soft spot on their tummies. And so that's what... I, I, no, 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 no. But Jesus is going to accept you. He's not going to reject you. John 6, 37 says, However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. He isn't going to throw us out. We have a bad day. It's okay. We make bad decisions. It's okay. Well, it, it, we, we do things that, dis, that displease Him. He understands that. And when we sin, he's made provision for that sin when he went to the cross. I think there's two important points here, that acceptance is not mine because I make myself acceptable. There's nothing that I can do to make myself acceptable. I'm not made acceptable because I'm a good guy. I'm acceptable because of Ephesians 2.9, which says salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, and we can substitute that we for I. I. The good things we have done or I have done, so none of us can boast about it. There's nothing that you've done that you can brag about. It's all about Jesus. See, we're all sin infected, we're sin contaminated, our efforts are are like grease stained rags. We see that in Isaiah 64 6A. See, acceptance is mine by virtue of my accepting Jesus. He's my friend. Because I have accepted him. He's already accepted me when he went to the cross. John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You accepted him. You're his child. Now, most of you, I know, as I know most of you as parents, I've watched you parent. And I've watched you parent in positive ways. I love watching you parent particularly the the, the the little ones in your life. That positive way that you parent. When dad says do it, he doesn't have to repeat himself. Usually. Now when mom says do it ninny, ninny, boo-boo, ninny, ninny, boo-boo. And, and so they're dancing on mom's last on mom's last nerve, but dad has a way of getting his point across doesn't he jesus says you're my kid and i have made you my child because of what happened at the cross john simply states that no one would come to believe in christ unless he gave them that right that privilege to become children so we're, not born, we're, we're born again not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. But how is that possible? How does that work? Because Jesus has taken care of what was needed to make us acceptable. Henry Ward Beecher, and if you go over in, uh, around uh, Wamego area, uh, 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 Wabunsee, uh, there's the Beecher... Rifle and Bible and Rifle Church. It's it's there, and and this guy sent Bibles and rifles uh, during the the Bleeding Kansas uh, era, era, and uh, they you know it's okay to be holy and we need to preach the word, but you you need to protect yourself. And so Bibles and and bullets <laughs> were sent to this church. Well, anyway, Henry B, Henry Ward Beecher, uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Little, Little Women was his brother, uh, he was her brother. So he once said, one should keep a fair-sized cemetery in his backyard so we can bury all the faults of our friends. Think about that. That's what Jesus has done with our faults that kept us from being acceptable to him. He put them to death. He nailed them on the cross. He's removed our sin and thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. He was rejected so that we might be accepted. And I, I began with the story of this little girl who, was, who placed a message on a tree, and that's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. The message he placed on the tree was his very life. And he said, I love you. And by his love, he made it possible for us to be accepted and to have a personal, not relationship, we get this relationship word all messed up sometimes, a personal friendship we sang about it you know what a friend we have in Jesus right and 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 Jesus truly is our friend when we are his children the second thing is Jesus will give you attaboys this is affirmation Jesus affirms you when you accept Jesus not only will you find acceptance you're gonna find affirmation as well He never calls anyone to follow him on the basis of who they are. Jesus is full of looking at us as potential. We had a program at at Illinois State University back in Bloomington. Actually, Bloomington was near normal. That's what they said. Normal, Illinois is where the university was. And it was called uh, a high potential program. And they got kids from the inner city of Chicago and brought them in because they had potential to develop into Uh, uh, young scholars. They brought 132 kids into the program and by the sophomore year none of them had stayed. So, the potential was misplaced. With Jesus, He sees our potential right inside us. And He went to the cross so we could use that potential when He's called us to be the people the men and women and young people, that God has called us to be. And it's on the basis He knows that we become who we can become because of His power. And so as a result of your friendship with Jesus, He's going to work to bring the very, very best out of you. So I'm nothing right now. You're right. You, 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 you probably are right. But when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and... and put yourself under his headship, you are going to have that potential and he is going to do his very best to bring that out of you. A man had a warehouse, <clears throat> property for sale, and vandals had smashed all the windows and set fires in it, and the place was a wreck. And, and right before the sale was complete, uh, the man told the potential buyer, he says, I'm going to have all this repaired so you, you don't have to worry about it. And the guy said... Don't worry about repairing anything. When I buy this place, I'm going to tear it down and I'm going to rebuild something completely different. I don't want the building. I just want the site. That's what Jesus says to us. You know, he, says, he says, I don't want you, my brother and sister, I don't want you, child of mine, to try and repair anything. I want you as a person. He simply wants us to surrender ourselves to Him and let Him build out of our life something new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has has begun. The third thing, Jesus is going to help you. He's going to help you with your failures. There's a, uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee, which is right outside of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, there's a church which, which is, uh, uh, was built on what was once a landfill. And they covered the landfill over with sod and then sold it to a church. Now the church knew it wasn't, there wasn't anything funny going on. The church knew that it was on a landfill. And they built uh, a beautiful building on it. Laid sod, built the building. And that's kind of what Jesus does with us. You know, we have a life that's full of trash. And sometimes we want to cover it over with the pretty things in life. You know, you, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, right? And so, with us, apart from Christ... You put lipstick on us, we're the pigs, we're still going to come out piggy. And the landfill of our life is trash. And that's because we are sin-sick, dying, and heading for hell. But Jesus bought us so that he might build something beautiful in our life. And occasionally, though, due to our erosion and weather, trash would surface at the base of this this church. And so people, the caretakers, groundskeepers, would come along and they'd pick up the trash and restore it to its natural order. And Jesus does that with us when we sin. And when sin causes our old nature to surface in our life because of what He did on the cross, the trash is removed. We have a friend who's more than willing to remove the trash that surfaces in our lives from time to time. Here's how it's done in First 1 John 1, 1.9. You know, very familiar verse. But if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. That is powerful. You know, I'm not going to have to stand in judgment of my sin when I get to heaven. Because when I received Christ as my Savior, He took care of all that trash he put that in the divine landfill that's never going to be able to surface again. And so when I sin today, that sin was taken care of back on the cross. He's not going to judge me for that. Now, there is going to be a judgment. He's going to judge me for what I'm doing with you people. Am I faithful in preaching the word and speaking truth into your life? If I'm not, I'm going to get judged on that. Is he, is he going to judge me for the ability that I have to try and restore a brother or sister who has been caught in sin? Yeah, He's going to judge me for that. But the judgment is a loss or a gain of reward. I don't know what those rewards look like. 1 Corinthians tells us that you know that there's, there's uh, gold, silver, and precious stone or wood, hay, and stubble. And so the rewards that we receive are going to be those precious things. But we're going to cast them back to Jesus. Now, the wood, hay, or stubble is going to be burned up in the refiner's fire. It's not going to last because the things that we did here on earth that amounted to nothing, we did it in the flesh, it's not going to last. So there will be a judgment for that, but I will not and you will not be judged for any sin. That was taken care of at the cross. Confession is absolutely crucial to salvation and then living out our life in Christ. And though this is obvious in Scripture, there are many who even claim that one needs only to accept the facts about Jesus for salvation, arguing that the confession and repentance isn't necessary. Repentance is necessary. You turn away. You turn away from sin and turn toward God. It's a turning around. Out of this comes, when, when, when people uh, say that sin is, confet, repentance is, is unnecessary, out of this comes indifference toward a Christian life. And they even will gloss this over as a way of saying, well, I don't need that because I am living that holy life. That's a lie. There's nothing holy about it. Most Protestants consider themselves saved without having to keep the... Uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the moral code that God laid out in the Ten Commandments. Now, we are not governed by the law. But we still are admonished to keep the law. Don't kill, don't steal, don't covet. Don't put false gods, strange gods before the one and true God. Their salvation does not depend on keeping the Mosaic law. However, salvation by grace through faith is generally seen as one that produces obedience and it's consistent with the formula of keeping the moral law. When, when, uh, when Moses received the, the, uh, uh, the law, there were three parts of the law. Here's a history lesson. There was the moral, the civil, and the ceremonial. The moral law kept, the, the, kept us straight. You know, that don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat, those things. The civil law was, if you do these things, this is what's going to happen to you. The ceremonial law brought man closer to God. That's where the priest went in and did the sacrifice and did the incense thing and, and all the other sacrifices. All of those things are part of the ceremonial law. When Jesus went to the cross... That law was fulfilled. Now there still is some where, where our salvation is not dependent upon the, keeping the law. But we are to govern our life by, by keeping that, that moral part of the law. Don't kill, don't steal, don't cheat, don't covet. We're justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. John Wesley uh, founded the Methodist tradition uh, severely attacked a a hideous doctrine called antinomianism. Yeah, Anybody want to spell that? Antinomians say that um, they're, they're people who take salvation to the point of asserting that the saved are not bound to follow any of the moral law because the law was, was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. A general consensus here has been historically reached as to the laws of the Old Testament. Christians are still enjoined, encouraged to keep those parts of the, of the, of the law. We have in our judicial system, when it works, <laughs> that there are penalties that we pay for murder. Murder for kidnapping, for arson, for those, those things, for capital crimes, even for, even for misdemeanors. There are penalties for those, for those crimes. But the thing that will keep us, help keep us straight so we're not committing those crimes, is the moral law. One God. I am the Lord your God. Don't put strange gods... Before me, don't worship strange gods. Don't try and substitute this for the true God. Talk to Ben sometimes, sometime about some of the things that go on uh, over in the Philippines with the uh, the, the some of the the, the weird uh, religious <laughs> things that that people do, and in, in all for the in the sake of. I am keeping, I'm doing these things so that uh, the gods won't destroy me, or I appease the gods, or I'm going to find my. What, what do they call heaven in the Philippines? Not the word, but uh, is it heaven? Heaven is heaven. Okay. Booga booga. Uh, the, no, 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 no. That's wrong. No, wiki is heaven. That's uh, so. So we need to be able to keep those parts of that law to bring us into that right relationship with God as we come to Him in faith, to keep us after we've come to faith. Jesus is going to, uh, there, there's numerous areas which we receive help from the Lord. One of those things is He helps us in, our, in, in fears. Uh, some Christians can be fearful people. And they're fearful about all kinds of strange things. And and it's and it's a shame because uh, Jesus has told us, has promised in His Word that there is no fear in Christ because perfect love casts out that fear. But He'll He'll assist us in that. Joshua one nine says, "This is My command: be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you." wherever you go. If you have a problem feeling discouraged, if you have a problem being fearful about what's tomorrow going to bring, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to raise this kid? How am I going to get this car fixed? How am I going to do all of these other things? How am I going to keep my marriage together? How am I going to, to do the things that God has called me to do? I don't have the problem. It's just woe is me. And I'm fearful, God. And he says, wait, stop the music. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus will help us with our frustrations. Philippians 4.13 says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And he's going to assist you with our future. You know, we have an immediate future and we have an ultimate future. The immediate future is Isaiah 30.21 says, Your own ears will hear him right behind you. A voice will say, This is the way you should go whether to the right or to the left. That is our immediate future. That's what God is going to do with us. And ultimately, in Psalm 23, 6, says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. See, Proverbs eighteen twenty-four says, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. It's better to have one good, faithful friend than numerous unreliable ones. The first line of the contrast says, a man of too many friends or companions comes to ruin. And in the Hebrew, ruin means to be crushed or to be shattered. And the idea is that there are all kinds of friends which can be the undoing of you. You allow those people into your life. They say, I, I'm your friend. And they're not friends. And if a person has friends who are unreliable, he may come, still come to ruin, especially if these nominal friends use him. The second line is clear. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You remember that, I, I don't recall if it was gorilla glue or not, but, but this, this guy had a hard hat and he put this glue on the hard hat and stuck the hard hat on a, on a piece of wood and, put, and had the hat on his head and he grabbed the hat and a crane pulled the, pulled the, uh, the wood up and he was kicking his legs, but the hat didn't, he, he didn't fall because of that glue was sticking to his hat. A true friend is like gorilla glue. <laughs> they stick closer than a brother. And this is a rare tre- treasure. The personification of a true friend is Christ. Because he's going to accept you. He's going to give you affirmation. The attaboy and he's going to help you. What do you expect, friends? What do you expect from a friend? Are your expectations realistic? Do they square with Scripture? See, Jesus has made the greatest gesture of friendship ever. And now it's up to you and I to decide how we're going to respond. Because John fifteen thirteen says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your example of friendship. We thank you, Lord, that when you went to the cross, you did it because you loved us. And Lord, you've, you've also stated in your word that we're your children, but we're also your friends. Help us, Lord, to achieve those same friendships in the men and women in our lives. Lord, may we start with our family. May we start with our spouse being the best friend that we have and then going to our children and our grandchildren and our extended family. Lord, help us to be that kind of friend. We thank you for the, the lessons in your word that you've given us these past weeks of what true friendship is. May we be authentic in our friendships, Lord, I pray, in your Son's name. And Lord, if there is one here today that does not know you as Savior, may this be the day that that friendship with you is affirmed. I can pray a real simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And right now, in the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life and save me from my sin. I believe when you died on that cross, You died in my place. That I might have your friendship. That I might have your, your sonship. And I can live with you forever in eternity. And I thank you for it in your son's name. Amen.